Hey, how's it going, guys? Welcome to Smooth Talk Sports, and welcome to my first podcast. So, it is my first podcast, but let's throw that out there right now. So, maybe it's not going to be the best thing in the world, but I'm hoping it'll be, you know, at least somewhat good. So, just a little bit, this podcast will have a specific theme, as you'll see by the title, but just to get some information out there about, uh, you know, who I am, what I plan to do with this podcast. Uh, I'm Benson, huge sports fan. Uh, this is going to be a kind of general sports podcast. I'm not going to focus on one sole thing in particular. I'll definitely make you know more podcasts about my teams, but I will cover each of the four major sports pretty extensively, you know, uh, when there actually is stuff to cover. And there is stuff to cover now, but um, there's nothing really new being added. So uh, hopefully in the future there'll be more because the whole situation with the COVID right now is crazy, but... Uh, let's just get it started. So today, my first pod is going to be about, uh, we're going to preview uh, Marquette men's basketball for the 2021 season. And this is going to assume that 2021 season is happening. Um, at this point, it's no guarantee that it's going to happen. But I'm going to be an optimist, and we're just going to talk about everything like it's going to happen. Like we have no doubt in the world, and that's that. We're going to pretend that we live in a COVID-free world for a little bit. So first thing that I'm going to talk about is the departures from the team. So the biggest one, obviously, is Marcus Howard. He was our star player for four years. You could say he was the star all four years, at least uh, his last three. That's a lot of scoring and a lot of shots that are going to be dispersed to the rest of the team now, which could could be a good thing, honestly. I'm not going to say it's a good thing that uh, the program's all-time leading scorer is gone, but the team might flow a little more efficiently you never really know until it happens so we'll just leave it at that but he he goes without saying he's the program's all-time leading scorer it's it, you can't replace that uh totally but you know you got to move forward that's the nature of college sports uh they also lose jace johnson he's only here for a year and for the most of the year he wasn't a big uh impact player on the team uh really came into his own though later on especially once ed morrow uh, left the program and he started getting more minutes. He turned out to be pretty valuable, good rim protector. He was able to get to the line pretty frequently. He was able to attack the rim. He's a good uh, spell for Theo John down the stretch. Uh, Sakar Anim, who is the epitome of a player who uh, developed a lot over his uh, five years on campus, redshirted after his freshman year, which couldn't have been easy to be told, hey, like we're going to redshirt you. You're going to sit out a year. But he did it. He uh, took his bumps. And he got better. Every year he got better. And he turned into a, a key player on the team. He was probably the most reliable second option last year, which uh, it's hard to say a lot about that. And I'll get more into that later. But from where he was to where he ended up is astounding to see how much he developed. And those are the three that we know were gone. And one question mark is Brendan Bailey. Because Brendan Bailey did not declare for the draft but he is going through the process uh it seems unlikely that he's going to stay in the draft or enter the draft at all it seems like he's just going to get some input maybe some critiques on his game just uh maybe down the road if they open up workouts a little more face some better competition if they're going to keep pushing the draft back might be able to get into some workouts with some of the guys that are going to stay in the draft just to see where he's at it seems very unlikely that he would leave it's it's almost guaranteed that he would not be picked but for the sake of this preview, 
we're going to assume that Brendan Bailey will be back on the team because I am assuming that he will be back on the team. So for all intents and purposes of this podcast, Brendan Bailey will be a Golden Eagle next year. So let's talk about the incoming players. And there is four guaranteed new faces on the team next year. That's going to be true freshman uh, Justin Lewis, who is a power forward and a center. There is a freshman Osasir Igodaro, uh, pardon my pronunciation if that is wrong, who is a power forward but can flex to uh, the small forward as well. We have freshman Dawson Garcia, who headlines the recruiting class. He's a not a consensus, consensus five-star, but he is a five-star by several recruiting sites. And then we also have Dexter Akano, who is going to be a redshirt freshman, redshirted his true freshman year. So it'll be interesting to see how much he developed. And it's kind of unfortunate that um, the summer workouts might not happen as they normally would, or the late summer workouts, at least, in the Europe trip. So that might hurt him a little bit, but he did have a full year to sit out and work out with the team without burning your eligibility. So... Um, Another one, the uh, prime transfer that we got, or the only transfer we got right now, is DJ Carton, the point guard from Ohio State. It seems pretty likely that he'll be able to play next year. Usually transfers sit out for a year, but it seems like he's pretty likely to get a hardship waiver. Uh, he did leave Ohio State in January February for personal reasons. Uh, it's believed that he, it was mostly just homesickness, so he did move closer to home. Uh, Milwaukee, about three hours from his hometown. And it's widely believed that he'll get a hardship waiver. So another assumption I'm making for this is that he will be uh, granted eligibility to play for the 2021 season. And then another guy I'll talk about a little bit is Kareem Mane. At this point, it seems very unlikely he'll be uh, in Milwaukee next year. Uh, Just today, the 23rd of April, 2020, he said that if he thinks he has any chance of getting picked, uh, he thinks he should remain in the draft and you know he's gonna figure out that as he goes through the process if what his odds are of getting picked are but even if he does not stay in the draft I think it's more likely than not especially with the addition of DJ Carton to Marquette that he will go to MSU just so he doesn't have to fight for ball handling capabilities if he goes to MSU he is their point guard um their only true point guard that they have right now is Foster Lawyer and he's not very good. And uh, they do have uh, Rocket Watts as well, but he performs more as a two-guard, so that point guard job would 100% be Mane's if he went to MSU, and it probably would be if he came to Marquette, but he would have to kind of fight for um, the ball with uh, DJ Carden. So we're going to assume that he's not on the team. And, you know, if he doesn't come to Milwaukee in some miracle, that'd be awesome, but I just don't see it happening right now. So if we were... This preview, we're not going to consider Kareem Mane as a Golden Eagle. So going over the coaching staff right now, of course, head coach is still Steve Wojciechowski. Um, is it going to be his last year? Very possible. Um, but I'm not going to talk about that a whole lot right now. I'm, I really want to preview the roster. But it is worth noting that uh, Wojciechowski is the head coach. And it seems like it's going to stay that way at least throughout this season. Um Worth noting is uh, Stan Johnson, longtime associate head coach, took the head coaching job at Loyola Marymount, and he will not be returning, obviously. And he was replaced with Justin Ganey, who uh, 
was former director of basketball operations for Marquette. So he's familiar with the program. He's been around the program. And so that'll be interesting to see how that goes along because Stan Johnson did have a big role in uh, the coaching uh, staff of Marquette. Moving on to the players. And again, just to reiterate, um, I'm assuming that we don't have Mane, but Carton is getting a waiver and Brendan Bailey is returning. So for my starting five, I have a point guard, DJ Carton. That job is his. If he gets a waiver, he is starting point guard. Absolutely no doubt about it. He is a very good point guard. We'll get get into him a little more later, his uh, stats last year and what he brings to the table. At the two guard, right now, it seems like it's Kobe McEwen's job. Um, He's another guy I want to talk about a little more later. Um, He definitely had a rough last season. But it seems like the two guard is uh, his job right now. Maybe not securely. Maybe it'd be very easy for him to lose it if he does not play well. But going into the year, he is the starting two guard. Uh, at the three, we have Brendan Bailey. Uh, it seems like he's a shoe in for that position. He's another guy. I'm already, we're going to talk a lot about Brendan Bailey, honestly, because he's a very interesting player. Probably one of the most hot and cold players in the nation. Um, I didn't do too much research, research on that, but, but I did research Brendan Bailey plenty. And I have some interesting stuff to uh, talk about him later. Uh, at the power forward... Uh, it seems likely that it'll be Dawson Garcia. I don't think he came to Marquette to come off the bench. I don't think he's going to be a one-and-done guy. I think he'll play at least two years. But um, I don't think he's going to start at center over Theo John, who uh, obviously is my starting center. So I think he would get a lot of minutes starting at the power forward position. So that's my starting lineup. Uh, Carton, McEwen, Bailey, Garcia, and John. But then Marquette does have a lot of depth this year, and I really like it. It's really interesting, though. It creates some log jams. So backing up Carton at the point guard, uh, not Kobe McEwen, but Samir Torrance, I think would be the best option as the backup point guard, having that ball in his hands. And we're going to get more to those stats later. Right now I'm just trying to get to the depth chart. Uh, Backup two guard, I think, would be Greg Elliott, uh, junior guard uh dealt with some injuries over the past few years uh mostly did while staying healthy last year and played pretty well i i was pretty pleased with uh what i saw to greg elliott last year uh backing up at the three i would put uh ostasir igadaro again pronunciation um he again he is uh, listed as a power forward but he is only 180 pounds so he's actually uh 20 pounds lighter than brendan bailey so he can definitely slide over to the small forward and uh, i do think he still will get minutes backing up uh dawson garcia and that kind of goes into some more depth uh if uh justin lewis can play a good center in the big east and be a good backup i think that opens up a lot more minutes for uh igadaro at the power forward position which would open up uh more minutes at the small forward for uh jamal kane i think is a guy who He's a very interesting player. He's crazy athletic. He's got crazy length. Um, he's shown decent shooting ability if he can get some open looks, especially in the corner. But he just has struggled to get in the game. And whether it's performance-based or it's just, you know, he's blocked by other guys, it's really interesting just to see what he will do this year, what kind of minutes we can expect to see out of him. Uh, he's a guy that I really like, and I really like to see him get extensive playing time and with it being a senior year, I think uh, he will. He'll get his shot to be a key player on this team. 
But that being said, with uh, Igadaro playing more power forward, it also opens up some playing time for Dexter Akano uh, at the shooting guard or on the wing, which would be interesting. He's going to get his shots, I think. Um, I don't think he'll uh, be much in the rotation early, especially uh, maybe in early, early games where we're, you know, playing uh, cupcake, so to speak. And maybe we can build up some big leads and get those young guys in there and kind of experiment with lineups and see uh, what works, what doesn't, what guys work together, what guys don't. But I really would like to see uh, Akano get some good minutes and uh, see what see what we got out of him. He's Again, he's only a retro freshman. Seems like a guy that'll play four years so he's got plenty of time to develop um if we go to the power forward again um there actually is a, a plethora of players who can actually the play power forward that's a lot of p's um originally i said lewis would be the primary backup power forward but again like i said if he can show that he can play a good center in the big east and get the minutes there then i think uh that's probably where, primarily what his position will be instead of having to play the power forward because, uh, you know, if they it, uh, if Lewis does struggle to play center in the Big East, if he's just not strong enough, they can always uh, try to slide Dawson Garcia. That's actually his natural position is a center. That's what he played in high school. But uh, he's not going to start over Theo John, I don't think, as a senior. I think Theo John is kind of an underrated player. He's a very good rim protector, very good defender. He does foul a lot, and a lot of them he doesn't deserve, but he still does legitimately foul a lot. And his offensive game leaves a lot to be desired, but I think uh, having Garcia and John in there is a really good mix because uh, you can get that offensive game from Garcia. You don't really need John to, uh, you know, score a lot. He can create some mismatches, though. But that's the overall depth chart that I have for now. We'll go over it a little more later. What I want to talk about now is Brendan Bailey because Brendan Bailey is an interesting player. And why I think that is, is he kind of has two modes that he tends to go in. And some people would want to call it bad and good Brendan Bailey. I don't think that's fair. I think that's a little too black and white. I think it's a little bit harsh. What I like to call it is confident Brendan Bailey and not confident Brendan Bailey. Because sometimes you can just see it. It was night and day. When he was confident, he was uh, getting that ball, getting it out of his hands, all those open looks. He'd catch it, shoot it. Uh, when he was not confident, he would catch it, sometimes do a pump fake, let the defender catch up, and then he would try to cut to the rim or he would still try to shoot a contested jumper or he would just pass out of it and uh he uh would start missing a lot even open looks at that point he would just start missing he just couldn't seem to hit a jump shot for his life so i picked five games of each version of brendan bailey um they're all from conference play i didn't want to have uh early games you know early in the season where you know a player might still be knocking off some rust and, you know, they're still kind of getting into the swing of things. Um, the only non-conference game that I picked was the Maryland game because that was uh, probably his best game of the year, honestly, and it probably isn't even close. And that Maryland is a legit opponent, so they're not an early season cupcake. And so I don't think it's um, an outlier in terms of stats based on the opponent. So the five games that I picked as confident Brendan Bailey are the Maryland game in Orlando, uh, the conference opener on the road against Creighton, uh, home against Providence, and then both Butler games. So in these games, he scored 18.8 points per game on 60% from the field and 57.5% from three, giving him an effective field goal percentage of 80.9. I 
80.9 for effective field goal percentage is off the charts. And it is that high because he did shoot a lot of threes. Um, in those games, he took 55 shots total, and 40 of them were uh, from behind the arc. So majority of his shots were from three. And to give you some raw stats, he was 23 of 40 from three in those games. So that's that's pretty good. So that's the good end. That's the confident Brendan. So let's talk about the not confident Brendan when he was not so good. The five games that I picked for that are the home game against Nova, uh, the road game against Seton Hall, home against St. John's, at Xavier, and at DePaul. In these games, he scored 4.8 points per game. He shot 21.6% from the field, 20.8% from three, and his effective field goal percentage was 28.4. That is, that's not even night and day. I can't even tell you what that is, where on a good day or good days, 80.9% effective field goal percentage on bad days, 28.4 percentage. That's a pretty crazy disparity. And uh, to give you some raw stats again, he shot five of 24 in those games. So the two things that really stand out to me is one thing in the games that he was confident, he was shooting a lot more. He took 55 shots total in the games he was confident that I picked. And he made 33 of them in the games that he was not confident. He only attempted 37. And that goes back to what I said, where when he's not confident, he's passing up looks. And then eventually he kind of starts to try to shoot his way out of it, or he just starts shooting everything. And that's when he, his percentage goes way down because he's shooting bad looks. He's letting the defenders catch up by second guessing himself. Confident Brendan gets that ball, knows he has a good look and just shoots it right away. Not confident Brendan pump fakes, lets the defender catch up and then either shoots it contested or tries to dribble out of it. He didn't turn over the ball a lot, which was uh, something that, Watching him, I thought maybe he did, but he really didn't turn the ball over too much. Not any crazy amount at all. It's just crazy to me that he was so night and day, which uh, tells me that, hey, like, this guy can be really good. This guy, look at the stats, 18.8 points per game. That's what some teams' leading scores average. Some teams' leading scores don't even average that. That's, that's really good. And these aren't, you know, cupcakes either. These were Maryland was one of the best teams in the nation. Uh, Creighton was one of the best teams in the nation. Uh, Butler and Providence are any pushovers. Those are all um, at least, you know, teams that are on the bubble for the tournament. I think all those teams would have made it in the end. So it's not like he was doing this against, you know, the Loyola's and the Robert Morris's. He was doing these against Big East and Big Ten competition and good Big East and Big Ten teams. And if you and if you look at it on the other side, the not confident Brendan was that was against uh, some of the weaker teams. Like, yeah, you have the Nova and Seton Hall games, but the other were uh, St. John, Xavier, and DePaul. Not bad teams. The Big East was pretty good top to bottom this year, but not as good as the teams that he even played well against. So it really uh, speaks to me that it seems like it's a mentality thing. It seems like he kind of gets in his own head. A good example of that that I didn't track stats from would be the Wisconsin game because he uh, airballed the three that game, and then every time he touched the ball, you know, the, the fans were on him. And then it just seemed like he just had the yips. He had one play where uh, I forgot if he got, used a pump fake or he just had an open drive, but he drove right to the rim and had a reverse layup. I don't know if he even hit the rim on it. And he, you can even tell his body language after that. He was upset and he was kind of shocked that he didn't make that. And he just seemed like he was in a funk. And it seems like he does get in his own head a lot. And 
going forward, it, Brandon is, is an interesting player to me in the first place. That he, in terms of his age, he is almost going into his senior year because he did take two years out of high school to uh, complete a Mormon mission. Um, so he uh, didn't actually uh, start at Marquette until what would have been his junior year, really. But he is a mature guy. He's an older guy. Um, so hopefully uh, the mentality can be can be fixed as he is already pretty mature. And uh, he is a guy that I like. Sometimes I am hard on him, as my friends will tell you. I have been very critical of him, as I am with you know all athletes I watch. I'm not going to you know sit here and say that I'm that guy that is always supportive of athletes and says they never do anything wrong and all that. I do get very critical, but especially um, here, sitting here talking, I'm not watching a game. I'm pretty rational. I can, you know, say that I, I do like all these players and that, you know, playing sports at the D1 level is hard. And so I really am excited to see Brendan Bailey this year and see what he can really do going forward. Hopefully we see a lot more of confident Brendan than uh, not confident Brendan. And uh, one last thing that I want to say here for him is that he did take a pretty substantial step this season compared to his freshman year. His freshman year, he shot 25% from three, and then he got that up to 38% this year, which is uh, not bad, not particularly good, but you know, getting your percentage up 13 points higher is good. And it goes without saying that he he shot a w- way lower volume his freshman year, but these are just things to go off of to show that he he did develop this year, and then he could take another big step forward this year. And then if I go for his efficient or excuse me effective field goal percentage, uh, it was about forty one point six percent his freshman year, and it was overall about fifty three percent this year. So overall, he really didn't have a bad year. It was just when he was his his highs are a lot higher than his lows, and his lows are pretty bad as you heard so hopefully we see a lot more highs than lows this year out of brendan bailey uh another guy i want to talk about is kobe McEwen. so last year it's his first year at marquette um transferred to marquette uh two years ago sat out a year and so they thought this year that he would be you know starting shooting guard probably uh do the backup point guards for marcus howard and earlier in the year he got off to a, a pretty good start he had uh the first four games of the year uh, he he scored in double double figures, and three of those games he shot well from the field. The only game he didn't was against Robert Morris, but he got to double figures by getting to the line for eight free throws and making seven of them. So at that point, we were like, yeah, this is the guy, especially after the Purdue game where he really turned on down the stretch and uh, uh, helped lead us to a victory. And then, you know, he was kind of hit or miss, and then the ending of the year was pretty brutal. Some stats that I got for him so uh his last real good game was against butler on the road on january 24th that was the game that uh he only had i think he i don't know if he had any points or if he only had like one or two up until like the last like six minutes and then he ended up with like 20 plus he he turned it on down the stretch to get us to ot and then he played well in ot and we still lost but he kept us in the game made a lot of pretty ridiculous shots whether it be deep he'd made a deep three to send us to ot is what I remember most from that game. He had some circus shots too, but after that game, his field goal percentage was 32%. And that includes 20.9% from behind the arc. He averaged 3.2 turnovers per game and 3.3 assists. So essentially he had just about as many turnovers as he had assists, which is bad. 
and his effective field goal percentage was 38. So he was not very good. He, he did have a lot of good games last year. He played well against Nova at home. He played well against Xavier at home. Uh, he played well against Butler on the road, like I said. And as I mentioned earlier, that Purdue game, that's what we would like to see out of Kobe McEwen. Just that as the year went on, and it wasn't like Brendan Bailey where it was like one game he's really good, next game he's really bad. After the 24th of January, he was just really bad. And no stats show it. It, it is pretty alarming. Um, I, I really want to chalk it up to, um, and this is maybe just being optimistic, but, you know, new guy, new situation. He'd already been in Milwaukee for a year, but, you know, he wasn't playing. He did take a year off, but it seemed like, if that was the situation, he should have gotten better as year went on instead of worse. It seemed uh, as it went on, he dribbled way too much and he would dribble in the wrong direction. Sometimes he would get the ball and dribble it in place or dribble it backwards even and not make any progress. He'd hold the ball until the shot clock was too low. Then he'd have to pass it out or just take a pretty desperate look himself. And then he seemed to have the same problem that Brendan Bailey would have where he would get open looks and he would just struggle to knock him down. Sometimes he would make one and you think, all right, that's it. Like he's going to get going. And then he just doesn't. And it was frustrating to watch because I really want uh, Kobe McEwen to do well. I like Kobe McEwen, but it just seemed like down the stretch, he struggled quite a bit. So, you know, this year it, it would be nice to see him get some ball handling duties but if we have DJ Carton and Samir Torrance, uh, it seems like McEwen would primarily be playing the two guard, which maybe being in a set role saying, hey, you are the two guard. Uh, we don't expect you to handle any ball handling duties. Um, like you can, he has that ability, but we're not expecting you to run the point at all. Maybe it'll make him a little more comfortable knowing that he's not going to have to switch modes. Like this year, we'll be like, okay, uh, Marcus is coming out. You're going to run the point now instead of playing the two. This year, he, he can focus on primarily being a two hopefully that can help him be a little more comfortable get settled into games a lot more so another guy i want to talk about is uh, dj carton the transfer from ohio state so he was a four-star guy coming out of high school similar to dawson garcia where some people had him as a five some had him as a four and that's not really relevant now anyways he we've already seen um a little over half of a season of him and i'll give you a quick rundown of his stats he averaged 10.4 points a game uh three assists per game Shot about 47% from the field, 40% from behind the arc. His effective field goal percentage is 55.7. And he averaged about 2.6 turnovers a game. So his turnover to assist ratio, it's better than Kobe McEwen's was by far. But it still leaves a lot to be desired. But at the same time, he was a freshman. And, you know, freshmen make a lot more mistakes, obviously. So hopefully uh, this year he can cut down on the turnovers. Um maybe a little more assists, you know, uh, get, get it up. To, maybe he can have some more assists, maybe get it up to at least five. But really, I think a key thing with Marquette's offense is don't turn the ball over. Maximize your possessions. You don't want to give possessions away. You know, get as many shots as you can. Don't give that ball away for free. So I'm really excited to see him uh, running the point this year. I was at first when he uh, opened up his tra- uh, uh, recruiting again, when he transferred, I was, you know, there's no way he's coming to Marquette. He's going to go to Iowa or Iowa State. But then I did a little more research and it turns out that 
Marquette is only about a half an hour further from his hometown than Iowa State is, which I was like, okay, like, you know, maybe Marquette is, you know, legitimate option. He can come in, replace Marcus Howard. That's a pretty big gap to leave. He thinks he can uh, be featured in the offense, and I think he will be. I think uh, if they're looking for scoring going into the year, I think he'll be the number one guy with uh, Bailey and McEwen uh, kind of fighting for that number two spot. But, you know, we're hoping that they can get good offense uh, one through four. I'm not going to hold out on Theo John. That's just not his game. He's not dominant on the offense. He does score in bunches when he gets the opportunity. You know, if they start to slide off him or if he does have a really good mismatch, you can take advantage of that. But overall, you can't expect too much out of Theo John on the offensive end. That's not his game. He's a rim protector. He's a um, he's a pick setter. He's a he's an enforcer. That is that is Theo John. That is who Theo John is. But let's talk about the backup to Carden. At least uh, who I presume to be the backup is Samir Torrance. So he didn't get to play a whole lot last year. He got in, in got in a few uh, bunches, not here and there, especially if uh, Marcus Howard was out. You know, he had a concussion and he had a broken nose. Last year, he missed a couple games. But overall, just some raw stats. Samir Torrance had 45 assists to only 20 turnovers. So his assist to turnover is above two, which is which is good. Usually three is considered like amazing elite, and two is considered good. And so he was, he was good last year at distributing the ball. And that is as a freshman, and he wasn't really able to get into the flow of a lot of games. Uh, he wasn't able to score a whole lot last year, which I think, again, is a product of him not being able to get into games a whole lot and for a very long time. And this year, uh, he's definitely going to be aligned for a lot more minutes. I think he will be the primary uh, backup point guard. I think he'll do a very good job with that role. I'm really excited to see Samir Torrance develop. Um, if you remember last year, he actually reclassified to join Marquette a year early. So this really would have normally been his freshman year. So... It'll be. I think it'll take a, a huge uh, leap forward. If, if any player takes a, a huge leap forward, a monumental leap forward, I think it'll be Samir Torrance. I'm hoping some other guys do, uh, Brendan Bailey and Kobe McEwen, for instance. But uh, Samir Torrance is a guy I think has the best chance just because he did do well in the little burst that he got last year, and he's in line for a lot more minutes this year. So I think he'll perform well. I'm excited to see Samir Torrance this year. But that's going to be my first podcast. Not very long, only about half an hour, but you know, that's okay. I do plan on making some other podcasts that I already have planned. Uh, One podcast I do plan on having in the future. Uh, I don't know how long. I don't really have a schedule right now to do these. And I'm on YouTube, so I don't have any kind of like schedule. I just want to make some episodes, get them out there. But uh, I want to make a pod about uh, the incoming freshman plus Dexter Acano. Uh, just go a little more in depth of what we can maybe think of these guys because uh, a lot of the guys that I reviewed uh, in this preview were guys that have been in college before either with Marquette or elsewhere and so you, you kind of have a sense of what kind of players they're going to be where um, where those guys coming in could be a totally different player than they were in high school so uh, more in depth on that coming probably this weekend I'll probably make it and get it edited and get it out there But thank you for listening to my podcast. Like I said, this is my first podcast. So if you have any criticism at all, any opinions, just let me know, especially about, you know, sound quality or stuff like that. This is my first setup. Um, If you notice something, just let me know so I can fix it and get some better quality in the future. But otherwise, uh, I'd appreciate being, you know, like, subscribe, 
give me some ratings and give me constructive criticism. I'm always open to questions as well. If you want, want clarification on anything or you just want to know my opinion on something, go ahead and ask in the comments. Uh, I'm going to link my Twitter in the description and uh, just a little work cited here at the end. So all stats that I pulled for uh, the players today were from sportsreference.com. I'll put a link to that in the description. And then uh, I did some of the calculations myself and using the equations that I got from basketballreference.com. So I'm gonna put a link to the equations page of Basketball Reference. You can see uh, the page where I get the equations for the stats that I use. Otherwise, thank you so much for watching and I'll see you next time.